Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. Glad to see you're all here today. We are, we started, last week we started a new message series called Brought into the Fold. And what we're going to do is we're looking through the Bible to identify what does it, what does it uh, look like to bring more people into, into our church family. Thank you. Should I use this? This microphone. It works. Great, thanks. And uh, so we're looking at what, is it, what does it look like to bring more people into our church family? How does a person go from you just walked in, you're brand new, and then to where you say, I belong here. Like, these are my people, and I, uh, these are the, this is the church family that I want to be a part of. That's, that's maybe a tough transition to make, going from brand new to belonging. How does a person do that? And one of our visions for uh, starting this church was to create a really refreshing community to be a part of. That if a person came in, especially if they have very little or no church background, they'd be able to walk into our church and experience some of the refreshment that comes from being a part of the family of God, the body of Christ, and just interacting. There's so many New Testament commands in fact, we have our seven core values are called the heart attitudes, and those create a very refreshing environment to be a part of. And so we're, we're looking at some of these questions, but when it comes to this idea of refreshment, or if you want to be a part of a refreshing group of people, to be honest, sometimes it feels like God's recipe for refreshment feels a little confusing. So if you're following along in your notes, there's some lines you can fill in as well, but I think, I think God's recipe for refreshment feels confusing, and I'm going to show you why. Proverbs 11.25 is one verse, and it says this, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So that word enri enriched, it gets translated a lot of different ways uh, into English. It, it, all, it can mean to be gorged. So... Usually when we think of someone being gorged, they're like stuffed with food. It's not, not necessarily dealing with food, but it also means saturated, just totally, totally overflowing. To be, to this kind, that's, the kind of enrichment is, is a total, full, complete refreshment. It's where maybe you've, been, maybe you've had a situation where your heart felt really full. You're, you were with certain people or you had a certain experience, and you're like, oh, my heart feels so full, like I'm so content, I'm so grateful. So, so what this verse is talking about is not just like a little bit of blessing. It's almost like it feels too much. It's like over the top, but it's so wonderful. And I, ha we, I had an example of this. Uh, we, we got a, a little sample of this kind of blessing last year when um, my daughter was cat-sitting for our neighbor, and she has four cats, which works out great because my kids love cats, and our neighbor has a gumball machine with a pile of pennies right next to it on her table. So, so it's, a great, it's a great situation all around. Play with the cats, get some gumballs. And then our neighbor, uh, she wanted to pay Liana for, for taking care of the cats. So I'm like, we, we're doing it for free. You don't have to give us anything. But she knew that Liana was learning guitar, and I was showing her a little bit on, on how to play guitar, and we, we didn't have one. Or there was a guitar we were looking for, but the, our neighbor gave us... Um, hundreds of dollars to get like a high-end uh, guitar that would fit a an 11 year old and it was so over the top I'm like no, I'm like no this is like this is too much like we just watched your cats for a couple days and they loved it like that was that was reward enough but our, our neighbor she really she she 
love, she loves us and loved my daughter and she, she just wanted to do it, had the resources for, for it. And, and it was, it truly was very appreciated. It was, in a way, being enriched really beyond what was needed. It was just, it was, it was so wonderful. And so this kind of, this kind of like full saturated enrichment, this, this intense refreshment, it comes to people who bring blessing. It doesn't come to people who are digging for it. It comes to people that, somebody, somebody who is the, doing the bringing of the blessing, where, where you show up with the goods. You're, you're actually not looking for enrichment. Instead, you're looking around for opportunities to serve. You're looking around, who can I give to you? How much, what, you know, how, what's the most amount of money I can give? What's, what are the, all the ways that I could bless people around me? Actually, if, you bring, if you're going to bring blessing, it means that you thought about it ahead of time. You're like, I'm going to this thing, or I'm going to spend time with these people, so I'm going to bring, I'm going to plan ahead. There's forethought. It's very intentional that I'm, I'm, planning, I'm planning to use my life to bring blessing to these people. That is, that is the situation where enrichment starts coming back. This idea is repeated in the second phrase. It says, the one who waters will himself be watered. This idea of water is probably significant because if you imagine the people this was written to, uh, generally living in the Middle Eastern area where it's often very dry, somewhat of an arid desert climate. And uh, from, from people that I know who have lived there for many years, some friends of mine, they say that um, everything is khaki, the color khaki, just like shades of tan and brown and khaki. That's everywhere you look which means probably not a lot of water, generally not much of that. So if you think about this idea of water being written to these people, you know, sometimes Santa Clarita feels like it would be that brown place, except for we have a great irrigation system in our city. Um, but so, so this says, the one who waters. So what this means, the, the person who waters or refreshes somebody, um, it's the kind of watering here, again, it's, it's to drink your fill all the way up. There's, there's actually no, you couldn't even drink more if you wanted to. You're fully satisfied, fully content, and, and this is what we can do for people. When we dump, just sort of recklessly dump, this kind of lavish, extravagant blessing on other people, really with no regard for payment, repayment. It's like, I'm just, I'm just gonna pour out, I'm just gonna dump all the water and saturate people with, with blessing, and it doesn't matter if I get anything back. God is the one who sees that. He pays attention to when that's happening, and he's the one to return blessing. This is really interesting. So, so if, you want, if you want to be well-watered and refreshed and enriched in life, don't go looking for it. This verse is saying, just start giving it. It's interesting. Another, there's another verse, the, the verse that precedes this one in Proverbs chapter 11. It, it, it communicates the sign in a slightly, slightly different way. It says, one who gives freely... One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. So to give freely, again, when you study this word, it's, to give freely is like, imagine scattering blessing. The way that, the way that you would scatter, um, maybe, maybe you have a lawn that needs new grass seed, and it's just in really bad shape. You just, you're just throwing the seed out there. You're just trying to like scatter. You're not, you're not picking where every seed goes. <laughs> you just grab a handful and you chuck it. That's saying, so this is the kind of... Um, the blessing this is talking about, to give out in just an indiscriminate, really almost a reckless way, like where, where a person is just so quick to give. Like, I'm not, I'm not even thinking that hard about my generosity. I, maybe I give to this person and it's going to mess up my budget. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, just giving, freely giving. 
Often, when I give generously, air quotes, um, I often have to think pretty hard about it. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, should I give, should I not give? It's hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to, to let go of my money, not just my money, but even my time. Like, oh, should I go to that thing or should I spend time? Sometimes I have a death grip on my money or my time or my schedule or whatever, my energy allotment. And, uh, you know, I, I've, got, I've got a ways to go and this just kind of scattering of my resources to other people. Um, but this verse, this, it says this person is just giving out, scattering the resources abroad, and God is pouring it back in faster than they can scatter them back out. So a person's giving freely, and God's just dumping it back in. It says one person gives freely, yet somehow grows all the richer. How do you grow richer by giving everything away? I don't know. What does this look like in real life? There was a, I, there's, there's a friend of mine who, who does this pretty well. His name is Mitchell. And uh, he's uh, a little bit lower in this picture. This is one of our backpacking trips that we went on. And uh, Mitchell is a guy who, who goes on a backpacking trip, and he's thinking, how can I refresh the other people that are going on this trip? I'm like, that is not the starting point that I have when I'm thinking about a trip. So I'm, I'm thinking, um, like, this particular trip, he brought, you know, you need to, to drink water, you need to filter water. So I'm like, all right, I, got my, I have my personal water filter that I'll use. Well, he brought like an oversized one that would be good for other people in case somebody didn't bring any, which when you're backpacking, you don't want to carry extra weight. So you don't want to bring equipment that you don't need. Like you want the lowest amount of ounces because you have to carry it up a mountain. But Mitchell didn't think about that. Mitchell's just thinking, no, I want to take, I want I, literally for people to be watered. <laughs> He's like, I want to pour watering refreshment on people. And there was another trip where, we were setting up our hammocks in the middle of the night because we got in late. And um, I'm thinking, okay, if I, if I uh, just kind of get ahead, I can find the best trees to put my hammock in. <laughs> I want to have a really good night of sleep. I, uh, you know, I've done this backpacking before. I know what to look for, and there's some new guys. And uh, while I'm looking for my spot, turn around and Mitchell is helping other people put up their hammocks. And I'm like, oh man, this guy is putting me to shame. Like, this is ridiculous. And uh, at one point in the middle of the night, one of the trees broke that we were in, that the guys were in, this crack. Like, you just hear this crack and, like, thud. <laughs> and uh, some guys, had, two guys had fallen on the ground because of the tree breaking. And uh, before I got out of my hammock, guess who had their boots on and was there helping them up? Mitchell, of course. I, mean, I was like, man, like, you're just, see, he's so on it. He's just, he was, he's just on it. And uh, a trip like that, when I, when, I, when I look at just how self-centered I am, it's startling. And I was like, yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time. Like, I'm, I should be pretty good at this, like, selfless thing. Like, no, my selfishness is so subtle and so pervasive, so persistent. Even, even let's say, during a casual conversation that I'm having with somebody, it's, it's startling how much I selfishly arrange for my own well-being. As I'm talking to that person, I'm thinking about what I want or what I want to do next or what I want to say. I'm like, man, like, I can't get away from my self-centeredness. And uh, guys like Mitchell and his wife Marie, who've been about, they helped us start the church, um, often you can see by their actions that they're asking, how can we bring enrichment to, you, to other people? How can we refresh others first? How can we refresh people more than we refresh ourselves? So it's really interesting. It, it comes out in everyday interactions uh, if we go back to that, or just advance to that verse we were just looking at, 
Um, the second part of it says another, so you know, one person gives freely, just scattering resources, gets all the richer, but another withholds what he should give and only suffers wants. So if you're withholding, it's mean like I'm hanging on to my time or my money or my, my selfish goals, like the best sleeping spot or the lowest pack, I'm, I'm hanging on to what I want. I'm keeping back good things that I should give. The result is I suffer wants, meaning I'm still in need. I'm trying to get my needs met, but I'm somehow still in need. I'm unsatisfied. I'm lacking the good things that I'm trying so hard to get. It's kind of like a leaky bucket where this verse just illustrates this idea where we're trying to pour, we're trying to water ourselves. We're trying to like refresh ourselves or secure good things. And the more we're trying to pour it in, it's just, it's escaping faster than we can pour it in. These verses that we're looking at right now may feel like an assault on our native self-centeredness, which means I'm, I really, I really need to be alert to that nagging selfishness that lives in my heart and probably is going to be there till the day I die. Part, there's a part of me that says, oh, I don't feel like it, or I just want to relax, or I want to refresh myself. I want to do what's good for me. I'm not going to say that out loud, but in my heart, I, I just want to do what's good for me right now. And I'm aware that self-satisfying or self-enrichment is very tempting, but it's never as satisfying as the refreshment that God pours out on those who are generous with their time and their resources. So to me, this idea of refreshment in the Bible, it feels almost like backward math. Like, okay, so I give away, I end up with more. How is that possible? But if you look at the Bible, there's kind of like this weird, illogical backwards math all over the place. In other places it says, you, you give it, if you give it all away, you'll end up with more. Or in another way, it says, give 10% of your income to God as a tithe. So give away the, the money that we're, we're working so hard to earn. Give it away. But somehow God will pour out even more than we gave. That that's, feels weird. Or Jesus said, he says, give away your life and you'll find it. Or try to hang on to your life and you'll lose it. It's like, how do I even make sense of what that even means? Like, or he said also, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Elsewhere, Jesus says, whoever has, more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This, so there's all these verses. I'm like, how do, you, how do you make sense? This does not make sense logically. Well, I believe the Bible is true. You, many of you probably believe the Bible is true as well. And anytime our logic is threatened, like this doesn't make sense, what do you do? Well, Either you go with what you think is logical or you go with what the Bible says. And so that we, 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 can, we bump up against these times where we actually need to reevaluate our understanding of reality. If you do want to follow Jesus and the Bible truly is your guide for life, that means there's times when we need to conform our way of thinking to what the Bible says. And it's really strange and hard to do that. We need to understand logic and reason and even just reality from God's point of view. Because this, there, there is an all-powerful being who runs the universe his way, and he so graciously gave us instructions. <laughs> he set up the world and the universe, and it, it only works well when it's done his way, and he showed us how that works. The, the real question is, maybe, maybe you can get your mind around this idea of refreshment in particular. 
refresh others, then you'll be refreshed. Hmm. Doesn't make sense. But the real question is, do I trust God? If this is what he says, do I trust him that if I do what he says, it'll work out the way he says? Man, even when it seems to go against my perspective. But this nagging question arises. If you were to really consider this idea, it's like, okay, I need, I need relaxation, refreshment, good things. I need blessing in my life. I need to feel enriched. And the only way to get it is by giving away and pouring out. Well, the nagging question that arises is, who's going to take care of my needs? If I just pour out, if I just give out, if I give, 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 if I just recklessly, freely give away of my, my time and resources, who's going to take care of me? And, and is this maybe going to result in sort of toilsome, begrudging service? Like, all right, I'll just start giving. You twisted my arm into, into just like giving away my stuff or my time. Well, here's a key in this. We trust God to bring us good in his way. Or we, we need to. We, we need to get to the point where we trust God to bring us good in his way. In Jeremiah, God talks about his everlasting love for the people of God. He speaks of his ultimate plan to bring good to his people. And so this is, really, this is kind of like a future-oriented verse, but in Jeremiah 31, he says this. He says, For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. That word satisfy is the same word in Hebrew that we looked at in Proverbs 11 meaning to, to fully enrich and to fill up with water, to refresh. So, who, according to this verse, who is the one that re refreshes? Who satisfies? It's God. God is the one who does it. So, what this means is that we have to trust God to bring us good in his timing. <laughs> and his timing may not match our timing. You're like, no, I need the good. I need refreshment now and in this way. And maybe his timing is a little bit delayed. Or maybe his definition of good is different than ours. Like, now, that, that makes it difficult and tricky, too. Well, I trust God if he's bringing me good and blessing, but it's not what I want. And what, we, what Christ followers believe is that God will bring us good, some now and some later. We're going to get some good in this life. There's certainly tremendous blessing for walking according to God's ways now, but Quite a lot of blessing, and I think far more actually comes later, once we get to heaven. And it will be very, very good. But we trust him. we got to wait for it. So Christ followers know that my life is not going to totally come together on this side of eternity. Maybe if you're feeling that way, like, I just need my life to get together, like, things feel out of control, that's basically normal, and that's basically been the human experience for thousands of generations. It's, life doesn't come together right now. We live in a broken world, and you got a lot of sin in your heart, like I do. I know that because I do. So life doesn't all come together now, but we do trust him to bring the fullest measure of good later. If God has determined, if God is the one who does this, and he says, hey, I'm going to satisfy you, I'm, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a satisfaction that's just full and complete and overflowing, the enrichment is on the next level. If God has determined to do that, how good will that be? Like, if the, if the creator of the universe has set his mind on satisfying and replenishing you, man, it's going to be really, really good. So I think through some of these verses, God is mercifully showing us how to avoid the constant feeling of unsatisfaction. 
restlessness, you know, lack of wholeness. The Bible has a lot to say about a kind of peace where you feel complete. A lack of peace is when you kind of feel your life feels sort of fractured and there's dissonance and there's some little gaps missing and things are not going totally great. There's a kind of wholeness and a kind of peace that he offers when we get in line with his ways. I want to show you, oh, um, and, and what I think tends to happen is we try to find ways to refresh ourselves and we end up splashing about in a puddle when God offers the ocean. <laughs> there's there's, there's a, a refreshment available to us. It's far deeper and more satisfying than what we just tend to satisfy ourselves with. I want to show you a video clip from an old movie called The Pianist. Um, it's a scene where uh, a German officer in Warsaw um, is actually showing some kindness to a Jew that's in hiding. He's been on the run. It's in the middle of winter. He's nearly dead with starvation and cold. And uh, this is the only, this is the only uh, German in the whole movie that uh, does not do brutality but shows kindness instead. And I want, I want, you, I want to make a, a point about that. So check this out. You'll have to read the subtitles. In this clip, instead of receiving brutality, this German officer, he's, he's secretly, he's, he's smuggling this guy food. Probably the only thing that kept him alive during this time. This is based on a true story. Um, he gives him food. He, get, he takes his coat off his own body in the middle of winter and gives it to him. And even besides the food and the clothing, though, there's this warmth and kindness. Just being treated, imagine being treated harshly for for months and months and months and have someone just be kind and say like, hey, I want to know more about your life. This amazing spot of sunshine in a really dark time. And, you know, the guy, if you catch up the subtitles, he says, how could I ever repay you? And it's like, this is, I don't know what to do. Like, I, this, is, this is what I need and it's so, it's so helpful. Well, I think it's, it's interesting the officer, that German officer could give because he had access to the entire German supply. He had lots more food where that came from. He said he even had a warmer coat. He just knew, he's, I, can, I, can give, I can give freely, I can give my own clothes because I got access to more. I think in a similar way, an even better way, when we give freely to others, we have access to God's supply. If God has said, he'll refresh us when we are pouring out for others, man, this is, God's supply is vastly more substantial than any kingdom on earth. And we can give knowing that God will supply us richly. So there's this question of motivation, though. If I'm going to give out and give to others, what, what's going to motivate me? Maybe, maybe the, the promise of getting you know, some rewards is, is motivation. There's even a higher motivation than that, though. Truly, we're compelled by gratitude, not by guilt. At least, I hope you get to a point where you're compelled by gratitude, not by guilt. I don't know if you've ever done anything out of a sense of guilt. Well, you probably have. You know, because people, we guilt each other often, you know, because it works. Somebody can make you feel bad about coming to their party, or maybe your parents want you to call more, or, you know, we guilt our kids into doing the right thing, or make them feel bad, or feel shameful if they don't do the right things. And, um, you know, a guilt and shame does kind of work. You can get people to do things temporarily because they feel bad or they just want to avoid the trouble. Actually, a lot of world religions work this way. I think Christianity is the only religion in the world that operates 
on grace and gratitude instead of guilt. I, I had some Jehovah's Witnesses come to the door yesterday, and um, they wanted to give me, I didn't tell them I was a pastor until the very end, but I was like, <laughs> I'll, talk to, I'll talk to these folks, this young couple, and um, I was just asking them about, I was like, oh yeah, let's, I'd love to talk. I actually want to learn more about what you guys think about how life works, and just, I mean, salvation, for example, how do you guys, how do you get salvation, or how do you know if you're going to heaven, or things like that, and their view of heaven and hell is a little different, but um, they said, essentially, well, you got to do good things. You got to pray, and you got to, you know, make sure you read your Bible, and you got to try to be righteous, because God says, they think, God says that you'll earn favor with God based on if you're righteous enough, and then I said, well, if that's the case, how, what percent sure are you guys that you'll get salvation at the end from God? And they said, I don't know. That, like, that's, no one can really know that. No one can really have a percentage of how will you know if you make that. We just got to keep trying. They're like, that's why you just have to keep trying and keep doing. I'm like, do you realize what you're saying? You're saying you just have to keep doing and doing and trying and just hoping and just like, actually not even hoping, just wishing that you're good enough. I was like, is that what you're saying? They're like, yeah, that's how it works. That's what, that's what the Bible says. They're like, that's not what my Bible says. <laughs> and um, Christianity is totally different. They said, well, what do you think? And I said, I think, well, based on what the Bible truly says, is that when we put our faith in Jesus and we turn away from our sin, so I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going God's way. My only hope for any salvation is Jesus. And when I put my faith fully in him, I'm 100% good to go. I will go to heaven. I know I will. He said I will. He said he will keep me until the very end. And actually, it doesn't matter how unrighteous I am after that. I, I like I could sin a lot. Actually, I'm going to sin a lot in between now and when I die. But it doesn't matter. I know for sure I'm going there. He said it. He said that. So I have, I was like, that's what I believe. I was like, what I, what I said is, what I just told you right now is what the Bible calls the gospel. It's the good news. They're like, oh yeah, the gospel. Yeah, like we're Christians too. I was like, you're no, like we, we believe different things. I, I didn't actually get all worked up. What I wanted to do was um, I was worked up inside. I've actually learned some restraint. What I wanted to do is after they argued my point, <clears throat> well, it wasn't an argument. Truly, it wasn't an argument. There was kindness, and they they gave a rebuttal to what I said. And um, I wanted to give another rebuttal back, but I knew if I if I did it back, then it would be an argument. So I said. It ended really good. Um, we talked a little bit more, and I said, really enjoy talking to you, and I said, I really care about you guys, and I really care about your eternity, and I'm glad we got to talk about this stuff. And they said, this was really good. They're like, most people don't talk to us. <laughs> I was like, well, I like talking to you, and I like talking about this stuff. And I was praying, even though I didn't feel like I could get the last word or let the Bible truly get the last word, I prayed for them, and um, when they left, uh, <laughs> closed the door, and my daughter Isla, who's sick, she came up and she said, Daddy, I know I'm 100% sure I'm going to heaven because I put my faith in Jesus. I was like, that's right, you are. <laughs> uh, she wants to get baptized at our next baptism. She was really inspired by the last one. So uh, It truly is. Um, you can do things based on guilt. You can try to be a good person based on feeling like you ought to be righteous enough, but it doesn't work that way. I really hope that you never do anything here at Valley Lights Church because of shame or pressure. Guilty, when you feel guilty, godly guilt, there is, a, there is a good guilt. It's godly guilt that leads us to repent of our sin and turn. 
But ungodly shame makes us feel bad no matter what you do. And even if you repent, you still feel bad. And that's shame. 2 Corinthians 5, it tells us about this motivation, this true highest level motivation. It says, for the love of Christ compels us. So compels, like get you by the shirt collar and then you just, it pushes you forward. The love of Christ is the thing that compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. This is about, it's not about guilt, like, oh, Jesus died for me, so I need to feel bad and make it up. Like, no, I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. I have confident hope of my everlasting salvation. And because of that gratitude, I'm, I'm going on. I'm going to make my life about things he said because I'm so grateful. We saw this played out in a, in a tangible way last Sunday. We had a, a baptism service. Two people got baptized that were truly brimming over with gratitude. One person, it was um, Julie. This was at a, a pool near my house. Uh, another person was Mylene. She got baptized as well. And um, you can see the, our whole church family getting behind them in this time. And uh, when Julie was in the water, I said, Julie, have you made Jesus the Lord and boss of your life? And she said, resounding yes. <laughs> And basically what they would, what these people have communicated is my life has changed. Our family life is changed. Like my eternity is forever changed. And really what this required or what God used to help these people cross the line of faith and find new life was our whole church. It took every one of you being a part of Valley Lights and helping and contributing in the ways that you do. Everybody helps in lots of different ways, and the, the one thing that you do on a Sunday morning or when you go to group or when you call somebody or drop off a meal or whatever you do, it may feel like a really small thing. You're like, oh, I wish I could do more. You're doing a lot because God uses our whole body together. You're a part of it. If, you, if you'd say, hey, Valley Lights Church is my, is my church, if you say that, you're part of this. You helped these people come to Christ through God's grace. There's a verse that describes this. From him, the whole body... And this is in Ephesians from Jesus. The whole body, the body meaning our group here, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Um, every person, it, this body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I already feel compelled by gratitude for my own salvation, but then I see other lives change like that, and I'm all the more compelled. I'm so great. This, what we're doing together as a church family is worth giving our lives for. I want to invite a couple from our church up to share a few things. So Barry and Holly Rogers, um, I'm gonna just ask them a few questions about their experience with some of these things. I think we'll, we'll probably have to share these, will we share this as the works? Okay. Um, okay, so um, they're, they're a good example of bringing other people into the fold. So if this series is about helping people experience us and help be a part of our church. Um, some of the things they special in is specialized in is hospitality, initiating hangouts with people. Um, so first question is, why are you focused on refreshing others? I don't know who wants to start. Unless you want to start. <laughs> okay. Um, hi. So uh, probably I think the biggest thing that um, kind of sparked this is something that's become become a pattern in my life is uh, when I moved to California I moved here in 2008 and I didn't know anybody 
I stumbled upon a church called Church in the Valley. I can tell you that story. It was a long way that I got there. But um, when I came around that church, that church just really pulled me in. That's actually our grandparent church. I don't say that enough, but it's, a, it's our grandparent church. And um, the pastor there would take me out for lunch, take me out for coffee, um, all sorts of things. I really got to know him. And, you know, I was a single guy. I didn't have a family in California. It really meant a lot to me. How much he invested in me but it was it was beyond that it wasn't just like hey you know come to dinner with me he included me in things that his family did um honestly that whole church did really the i i didn't go home a lot for thanksgiving or christmas and i never lacked a place to be people brought me in and let me be part of their family and included me in their life and and over time they helped me a lot i learned how to live as an adult, I learned how to walk with God at a much deeper level, and I learned how to help people um, in the church, and it, and it really, there were a lot of blessings that came from that, and I just said, they were so good to me, I want to do that for other people. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was similar for me as well. Um, I started attending a church when I was in college, and kind of trying to figure out how to, like, get to know people on my own, and um, I had many people that invited me into their home or had regular Sunday after church lunches that I knew that I could just stop in if I wanted to, um, and I'm really grateful. I tend to be more shy and quiet, and so to have people initiating with me just meant so much um, that I'm really grateful for those those people reaching out to me that now it's like inspires me to reach out to other people too because I know that that meant a lot. Hmm. All right, so that's some of your, some of your motivation. Uh, what are some of your techniques, or what are some ways that you guys um, try to reach out, or what do you, you're like? Oh, I want these new people to feel welcome. What are some of the things that you do? Um, well, we first start with figuring out what we're doing during the week. Um, so Mary and I kind of get on the same page and make sure that we have some space in our calendar and like, okay, so this night we're free, or this night I can a gal over or let's keep Sunday lunch open or we try to like look at the calendar together so that we can make space for people and we invite someone and if they're not free that week that's great we know that in the next couple weeks we could probably find time with them too but we really try to just make space in our calendar for people yeah and um I mean I think that's been the hardest thing that we've run into over and over there's always an excuse to not do so, oh, well, you know, this, busy, this week's getting really busy. Um, I know we have a space on the calendar to invite somebody over or to, you know, oh, we're, we're not doing anything Saturday. We'd love to have some people over for dinner, that sort of thing. There's always there's something that's going to come up that is a reason to say, you know what, let's not ask them or let's not do that, you know, or should we cancel? Can we cancel? I mean, would that be really rude if we cancel? There's always a reason. So between Holly and I, we've... We've had to get really creative or just say, you know what, tonight we're going to order something or we thought we were going to cook something or, um, oh, well, let's, let's take them out to dinner or something like that. But we just, we've had to just say, okay, we're going to draw the line with Santa. This is going to be something that's going to be a priority. Um, we just have to pull the trigger because if you don't, then it won't happen. Hmm. Yeah. All right, one more question is, since you've been doing this and you've been initiating with people and trying to get them around, what have been some of the blessings that you've personal experience. Okay. 
Um, probably one of the biggest blessings um, has been, well, I mean, at this stage of our life, it has been really refreshing for us to see how much our kids um, are getting excited when people come over. Um, you know, we had people over yesterday, and they just get really excited to, to meet new people. And that's, that's really, when we got married, um, since Holly and I both had experienced this, that was something that we wanted um, our kids to experience too. So that's really fun. But honestly, we've seen lots of things that God's done in our lives that have been blessings that we can see are direct results of um, us giving our lives for other people. And it's, it's sometimes it's strange things like... Um, you know, we're having um, a baby coming up, and um, we've had uh, two, two children in the time that we've started Valley Lights, and we've seen over and over on times where we were like, this is a really stressful season, or we don't know how we're going to get this done, but people have offered to come over and clean for us or help, help us with something, um, be there for us when we're really hurting. And, um, and honestly, even before we had even asked the question, hey, could you come help us? People jump and text us and say, hey, we heard about this. We want to help you out. And again, it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, I, could, I couldn't have asked for that. Like, God blessed us through other people, which makes us want to do this more. Mm. Yeah, I feel like friendships or community with people, I think, is a big thing that God has provided for us as we've been trying to get to know people. Um, the other is it, it's exciting when people come to Christ, too. Like, mm. we've, we've had people that are exploring and learning more about who God is and maybe haven't stepped into deciding to walk with God yet that have now, and we've had them in our home. And that's really exciting when we know that we can, like, be getting to know and be a part of the mission of what God has for us as believers, um, to be able to team up and do that together and invite people into our home and be a part of people's story um, is really exciting and motivating for us. Can I say one more thing? Um, the added benefit if uh, for the married folks here, um, it has brought Holly and I closer together because this was something that when we were single, we wanted our lives to be about. And so we found somebody that's like, oh, you're serious about this. But as we've worked together, it helps us with our communication and all kinds of stuff because it does take work to do together. So it's a blessing that we do it together because it does make me feel closer to my wife. Mm. I can identify with that. There have been plenty of times in the uh, effort to like include people in our lives that end up getting into an argument with Erin about the schedule. Like she planned something or I totally forgot something and now like, here I am trying to do a good thing and now we're in an argument, which there's a lot of ownership generally. I need to take in those situations. But well, I think what you, maybe what you're saying is like, you know, you, we got to work together and it's good. It's good for us to keep working together to bring greater unity to our marriage as we are serving other people. And even God grows us in that. And um, so if, if um, maybe you're here today, I'm, I'm kind of curious um, if, if you've ever experienced hospitality from Barrier Holly or if they've ever initiated with you in any way, do you mind just raising your hand? I'm just kind of curious. Most of the people in the room. All right, there we go. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really grateful. The calling for every Christian is self-denial and needs to go a long ways in opening their lives and um, focusing. Like, like I had mentioned, Mitchell and Marie, there's another couple, there's others in our church who are looking at how do I, how do I give out? So a new question, if you consider this for yourself, 
um, there's this question in the back of our minds, who's gonna take care of me? But when you consider this, there's a new question comes up, and here's what it is. Not who's gonna take care of me, but what is the greatest service that I can offer to people in my house? You know, people in your house sometimes frustrate you. <laughs> and uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to live with people. But how, what is the greatest service that I can offer to that person? Or what is the greatest service I can offer to people at my job? Now there's, there's more difficult people in your life at your job too. I know that's, that's the case. Or this, what is the greatest service that I can offer to people at my church? There's people sitting around you right now. There's people that aren't even here yet that God's going to bring in the next couple of weeks. And for each of these, it's how can I, it's, it's like a way, of, it's a way of like reviewing your reality. Like you walk into your day and you're like, what's good for me? What's good for me? But like, no, this is totally different. You walk into your day like, how can I refresh other people? Maybe at the end of the day, if I can just be a blessing to one person. What if that was your goal? Every day you wake up, all right, today, if nothing else, I'm going to be a blessing to one person. Um, this is what we're hoping for is to bring more people into the fold of Valley Lights. And so here's a few more ideas of ways to refresh people. I'll just run through these real quick. Here's a few, a few suggestions. One way to be a real refreshment to other people is just to accept them. Because you got people in your life that are quirky or frustrating or they do annoying things. Or, or maybe it's even more. They're just really, really difficult to live with or to work with. But God calls us to just accept them, who they are. Another thing is to strike up conversation. Most people in our culture would generally try to like get away from these new awkward conversations where you're doing small talk or you try to like, you, you know, you get home and you park and you go in the garage and shut the garage so you don't have to talk to any neighbors. Like that's normal. I'm not, you know, I do that sometimes too. But uh, the striking up of a conversation is a way to bring refreshment and relationship to people. Another one is to invite others into your home. Many of you just rose your, you, you raise your hands. It's because Rogers invited you into their home. You stepped across the threshold into their apartment and experienced warmth and food and good conversation. And it happened in a house, in a home. Another thing you can do is initiate lunch after church. Generally, people are hungry at about noon this time today. Um, you could also go to the least connected person at whatever next gathering you go to, or maybe in here you're like, who's in right now in the room, who is the least connected person? I'll go to them first. Or at a party or a hangout. Like, how do I go to that person that's probably like the most awkward for me to talk to? But I'll go to them first. Dedicate a weekly slot to new people, like carve time out in your schedule. Um, another one is to remember names or details about people's life. And then when you see them again a week later, you're like, hey, um, you have this surgery date yet? Or how's your mom doing? Or, you know, you just remember, and they're like, wow. Like this, this week, someone said, like, wow, I didn't know you remembered that. Thank you. Um, and then the supreme way to refresh others is to share the good news of Jesus. If you're a Christian, you know how to do this, because you have, you're a new creation, and you have the words of eternal life in your very heart. Even if you've never shared the gospel or helped anyone come to Christ, you have it in you. you the, the hope is living in you. So, the concluding verse here is Proverbs 11.25. We started with this verse. This is a slightly different translation. It says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I, I just want to ask you, do you think this is true? If you refresh others, that somehow you'll end up refreshed. 
do you entrust yourself to God? The world, you know what the world says? Hey, listen, you get refreshed by focusing on yourself. You take care of yourself first. But the Bible says, no, he who refreshes others will be refreshed. So next week, we're going to continue this series, bringing others into the fold. And the topic is how to avoid relationship killers. It's a few days before Halloween, so let's talk about, we could talk, you know, about killing things, I guess. So there, there's some things that we do where sometimes we kill, we're like kind of killing our relationships. Like you're doing, you're doing things that you don't realize and it's blocking your ability to have a good relationship with a person. It's killing the relationship. I do these, I, we, got, we got to confront these things. Um, and so we'll look at some of those together. I'm excited to go into that. I hope you come back next week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the people that you've put in our church that have become focused on outsiders, focused on being a refreshment. And we thank you that you are so totally trustworthy that um, whatever, uh, whenever we put our trust in you to bring the help and the refreshment we need, um, that you'll provide it in your way and your timing. Give us the courage. And, and Lord, help us to see that ugly self-centeredness that lives in each of us. It's Sometimes we don't even see it. It's there. It's, it drives a lot of our decisions and our actions and our words and our thoughts. Help us, Lord, to become others-centered the way that Jesus was. He's such an incredible example of that. Thank you for your love for us, Lord, the way you're using our church to help more people find new life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.